Good evening. Good evening. Great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us on Easter Sunday. Come on. Come on. Should we try something? Christ is risen. He is risen Christ is risen. He is risen One more time, like you mean it. Christ is risen. He is risen Come on. Come on. Come on. Great to see you on this Easter weekend. And if you're not a regular here at Trinity, it is great to have you with, here with us. My name's Gareth, part of the team here. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're, not, if you're someone that doesn't usually hang out in a church, um, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I hope you're um, getting a sense of the fact that we believe here in this place that um, Jesus is alive, that whilst um, 2,000 years ago, Um, A bunch of people tried to kill him. God, by the power of God, raised him to new life and that he's alive now today and you can have a personal growing relationship with him and he has got a purpose and a plan for your life. That's what we believe here. Amen? Good. Well, wherever you are in the journey of faith, you've probably um, come to realize that Easter, like Christmas, is one of the most significant events in the life of of the Christian church. Because like Christmas, Christians believe, and we believe in this place, that Easter is the most incredible act of unconditional and extravagant love that the world has ever known. Amen? Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm quite up for some amens on this Easter Sunday. So if you, if you hear something that you agree with, feel free to shout it out. Let's go a bit Pentecostal here tonight. Because... <laughs> Easter, yeah, thank you. That's Toby. I know it's Toby. It's always Toby. Toby, from the back, I want to hear some tonight. Okay, so, because Easter answers one of the most fundamental questions. How wide and high and deep is the love of God for humanity? That's what Easter answers. And this weekend, Christians, followers of Jesus, are celebrating the greatest expression of love that has ever been expressed. Sacrificial love. Sacrificial love that has demonstrated it in a life that was given. The life of Jesus. But let's not kid ourselves. Jesus was not like any life on the face of the earth. He was human, yes. But he was more than human. He was fully human, but he was fully God. Because Jesus is the person in all of history who has redefined humanity. Jesus redefined the cosmos. Jesus redefined what it is to have a relationship with God. He helped us to discover, he helped us to find out as human beings why we were created, what the purpose of our existence was and is. And that is to be loved by God. And to have a personal living relationship with him. It's been said of Jesus that Jesus had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, yet they called him teacher. He had no medicine, yet they called him the healer. He had no army, yet kings feared Jesus Christ. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. And he was buried in a tomb 2,000 years ago, 
and yet he lives today. Thank you. I, I, I think that deserves an amen. Because the, the man, Jesus, Jesus Christ, whose death was reflected upon on Good Friday a few days ago by billions of Christians worldwide, and whose resurrection over 2,000 years ago is celebrated across the globe today, was no ordinary man. In fact, his closest followers his followers, his disciples, willingly died themselves. They gave up their life for what they knew to be true. And that wasn't just about his teaching that was great moral and ethical teaching and it was great teaching that helps humanity to come into a relationship with God and discover what life in relationship with God can be like and the signs and wonders of the kingdom. But that he was so much more because God, by the power of Christ, was raised to new life. He was raised to new life. And John the disciple summarizes the resurrection appearances of Jesus with this conclusion. Hear these words from John. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. I wonder if you're here tonight and you believe. Maybe you're here tonight and you're not sure what you believe. I want to encourage you, wherever you are in the journey of faith, to take the next steps in your personal journey of belief and faith in Jesus. In one of the resurrection appearances, Jesus appears to his disciples, his followers, um, when they're out fishing. I don't know if anyone, anyone done any fishing? Any keen fishers? Not so. There we go. Your dad, where are you? Your dad's a fisherman. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Um, I've not done much fishing. I've done a little bit of fishing. I would like to tell you that I've got, you know, fishing achievements fishing tales of great kind of like fishes that I've caught, but I haven't. But I do remember quite distinctly in the summer of 1982, there was a summer in 1982 in Lancashire. I know it's hard to believe. Lancashire does have its summers. Anyone here from the north? Yeah, yeah well done. Thank you. Just a few. Darbandi and Baker. There we go. The three amigos together from the north. But I remember in, um, in 1982, um, my parents, as part of my birthday, um, earlier on in June, they bought me a carbon fiber fishing rod. It was dark green and it had a white go faster stripe on it. It was very thin, it was very tough, and it was ready to reel in some big fish. And to add to the, to the, the, the carbon fiber fishing rod, my parents had all also bought me a Shakespeare, not William Shakespeare, of course, a Shakespeare agility reel. Because when you're fishing, you need a lot of agility, don't you? Yeah. Apparently. So I had this agility reel, and, um, and I went fishing in 1982, the summer of 1982, with my friend, Tim. Tim was the vicar's son. Tim liked fishing. Tim loved fishing. He'd read all the books, probably J.R. Hartley's book on fly fishing and all that kind of stuff. I'm demonstrating my age there, if you can remember the Yellow Pages advert. But he would make his own fish hooks. 
you know, beautiful colors that would capture the biggest fish that you could find. And Tim and I, we would, we would go fishing to the local reservoir. And um, he would always catch the fish. I'd catch these little kind of minnowy, perchy things, you know. Sorry? I didn't do fly fishing, Tim, no. But I did spinning, those spinner hooks. And if you ever know anything about fishing, those spinner hooks, when you kind of like reeled them back, they went... And they'd land in the water, and then you'd kind of like reel them in, and they'd come through the water, and hopefully you'd hook a fish. Well, on this particular day in uh, the summer of 1982, my friend Tim, who was about five foot in front of me, launched his reel, um, un- un- sorry, um, brought the bar from the, from the reel, threw it back, and launched it into the reservoir. And as he launched it, his hook embedded into my left ear. That's why I remember this fishing. <laughs> Needless to say, um, with a pair of kind of like rusty old kind of like hook pliers, we managed to get the hook out of my um, ear, which had a big hole in it. Um, needless to say, that day we didn't buy, get any fish. Um, we probably should have gone and bought some fish, a tin of tuna or something. We didn't, we didn't catch any fish, but it was a quite cheap kind of ear piercing. So I just figured, just stick, stick, stick a stud in. Did you do that, Barbara? My son, I was doing that myself. I put him on the eye, though. Well, so if anyone knows Barbara, don't go fishing with Barbara. Or Tim, the vicar's son. But the story we're going to read from John chapter 21 is an incredible, miraculous story of Jesus fishing with, with his followers. And the thing about Fishing with Jesus. Jesus makes all the difference when you go fishing. Whether you're in the boat with Jesus or whether Jesus is on the shore telling you where to go fishing, Jesus makes all the difference to his followers. Let's turn to John chapter 20, 21. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. We don't know their names. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn... God bless you. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. 
Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time that Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he's been raised from the dead. The setting of this third resurrection appearance isn't Jerusalem. It's the Sea of Galilee. The disciples, they've gone back home. Jesus has been crucified. Um, Some of them have seen him alive, but they've gone to the Sea of Galilee to go back to their old business. They've gone back to their own kind of like security, what they knew really well, and that was fishing. And of course, the last couple of days have been an emotional roller coaster for them. In a matter of a week, they'd been lifted up to the joy-filled heights of Palm Sunday when Jesus came into Jerusalem and the palm branches were out there and they were saying, you know, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all the crowds are, yes, yeah, Jesus, you're the Messiah kind of type thing. And then they go down to the depths of despair at Good Friday. Jesus is crucified, killed, murdered before them. And then they've been swept up to the heavens again by the glory of the resurrection because they've seen that the tomb is empty. This is a couple of days after that. A good night's fishing was probably just what they needed after a roller coaster week. A bit of just kicking back a little bit. But they've been fishing all night and they've caught nothing. And Peter, as ever, you know, he's the, he's the initiator here in this story. He says, I'm going fishing. And uh, they chose to go fishing at night time because at night time, um, in the cool of the night, often the fish would come um, further up to the top of the water, whereas in the, in the height of the midday sun, they'd be further deep, deeper down in the, in the cool water, further, further, um, e- even deeper. So they were, they were probably towards the top. And they, they fished all night, throwing their nets out, and they'd caught diddly squat. And in the dimly lit morning light, a stranger shouts to them, hey guys, have you caught any fish? No, we've not caught a thing. Well, why don't you throw your, your nets out to the right-hand side? Throw them out there. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've been doing a hard work all night and someone from the shore kind of like shouts out, well, why do you try over there? You just think, don't you think we've tried that? But there's something in Jesus' voice that is so familiar. Maybe it's his gentleness. Maybe it's the authority in which he speaks. He speaks over creation and he calls creation to come into being. But Jesus speaks and, and, and they obey. They do what Jesus said and they catch a huge haul of fish. And as they catch this huge haul of fish, John, the disciple, shouts out, it's the Lord. And from, from, this, from this catch of fish, he realizes something twigs for him. The penny drops, as it were. This is Jesus. It's the Lord. There's this declaration of faith that comes from John's mouth. And then Peter, there's a declaration of action. He gets dressed. I don't know why people do naked swimming in the first century in 
but they did that, obviously. I guess it was warm at night. But he gets dressed and he, and he goes out on, on, onto the water, into the water, and he runs to the shore as an act of faith. It's Jesus. He's alive. See, whenever there's a revelation of who God is, it requires a response. Revelation leads to a response. Whether it's a response of faith in Jesus or a response of no faith in Jesus, revelation, when, when we first, when, maybe for the first time when you first decided to become a follower of Jesus, I don't know when that was for you. For me, it was back in 1982, in the summer of 1982 on a, on a youth camp. I had this revelation of who Jesus was and my response was, I need to follow you. It's the Lord. I want to get out of the boat and I want to meet my Lord. He was dead, but now he's alive. This is an amazing account of Jesus' resurrection appearance and an amazing account of something that the, that the disciples were familiar with. You know, Jesus is quite good with bread and fish, isn't he? If you know your Bible, you know, he fed 5,000 people and here he is, just, I don't know if he'd gone to Tesco's local or whatever, or whether Jesus had been out shipping it, um, shopping himself, or whether Jesus just goes, and there was bread and fish, and there was a breakfast there. If, if you're from the north, it probably had black pudding there as well, and it was the best cooked breakfast. But what, what I love is, if you read the story, Jesus invites them to contribute to their meal together. He says, bring what you've caught and Peter runs back and he draws in the net and they bring some of these large fish and they sit and eat together. And I want to draw some points from this incredible resurrection fishing story of Jesus. Because I don't know if you, if you realize, but fishing is the business of Christians. We're in the business of fishing. In John 21... And this passage of this resurrection appearance, it's a living parable. It's a living story that tells us and reminds us of one of the eternal truths of God. Jesus and the miraculous catch of fish are a biblical story that, where Jesus reminds his followers, his friends, Peter and John and the others, the sons of Zebedee. He re reminds them of their first call and commission as followers of Jesus. He reminds them of what they're about. If you know your Bible, you might be familiar that there's another very, very similar story in Luke chapter five. But Jesus gets in the boat with his friends and they haul in a net load of fish, another miraculous catch of fish, and Jesus is with them. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking, Peter, do you not get the kind of, the, 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 what's taking place here? When Jesus first called you in Luke 5, you were, what were you doing? You were fishing. Where? On the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And here, the resurrection Jesus is commissioning his disciples again. He's reminding them of the truth of what each of them are called to. Fishing for people. He wants their nets 
to be huge. He wants their nets to be overflowing. And as we discover, there's so much of Jesus' mission that they've yet to learn and to understand. For Jesus, the art of fishing represents what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus' followers fish. In Luke 5, the the passage I've just referred to, Jesus says to them, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. I wonder if you've ever thought about that. I wonder if you've ever thought about that as one of the calls on all Christians. One of the responsibilities of following Jesus is to fish for people. And we read that the disciples, when they heard these words of Jesus, they left everything and followed him. I don't know whether you can remember the time that you made a personal decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've not made that decision yet and I want to encourage you, maybe tonight might be the night that you want to say yes to Jesus and choose to follow the most incredible person that's ever walked the face of planet Earth, Jesus Christ. The one who can transform every life on planet Earth today. They left everything and they followed him. I know when I can remember that time in 1983 when I gave my life to Jesus, it was one of those moments that I, that I knew this was it and this is the way forward. There's no going back from this decision. I was only 13 at the time. But I knew deep in my heart and in my mind, this was it. This was the defining decision of my life. I wonder if you've got one of those defining decision moments with Jesus in your life. And as the call of Jesus came to follow him, the command and the commission also came at the same time, to fish for people, to bring people into his kingdom. And I just want to draw quickly three lessons from this account and this, um, this living parable of following Jesus and fishing for people. Because what we see in the life of Jesus is something that is quite miraculous. Back in Luke 5, when Jesus was with the disciples in the boat and here in his resurrection appearance, when he's on the shore and he gives them an instruction. And the first lesson I think the Lord wants us to be reminded of, maybe if you're, you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, is that fishing is about being obedient. Fishing is about being obedient to the instructions of Jesus. If you follow someone, you do what they say. You follow their guiding, you follow their leading, you follow their instructions. And what we see in Luke 5 and John 21 is that when the disciples followed Jesus, miracles occurred in their very hands. They were a part of the miracle story. They were involved in the miracle story. If you're a follower of Jesus here tonight, do you want to be involved in the miracle stories of Jesus? One of you is sure. I want to be involved in the miracle stories of Jesus. I want to partner with him. I want to join in with what he's doing. I want to follow his instructions. Why? Because I know that there is a, there is a humanity that has turned its back on God. You don't have to look very far. And there is a humanity 
that is taking a road of destruction. And part of my responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to love people with the compassion of God and share all that I've got, whatever I've got. I don't know if you feel qualified as a Christian. I've been a Christian for 30 plus years and I do not feel qualified. But I know Jesus. And I've encountered his living breath, the Holy Spirit. And I've met the risen Jesus. And it seems to me that when the early church first started, they didn't have theology books. They didn't have YouTube on how to read the Bible. They didn't have version and all the daily Bible reading plans, which are brilliant, by the way. I've been following one this, this last Holy Week, which has just in, inspired me and encouraged me in, in my own walk with Jesus. They didn't have any of that. But they had a relationship with Jesus. They met and knew that he was alive. And they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's all they had, three things. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think you've got those same three things as well. You might need a, a more of an empowering of God's Holy Spirit in your life. And tonight there'll be an opportunity to pray for you to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. But faithful fishing requires obedience. Obedient hearts, obedient lives, not just doing the stuff that, um, that we think is right, kind of like, you know, right living, but following the promptings of God, the Holy Spirit in our daily walk. When the Lord says, just stop and speak to that person. Why don't you just chat and maybe offer to pray with that person? Or, you know, David, I'm gonna give you a word for that person and I want to give you that word. I want you to take faith and step out and give them a word of encouragement. Or David, you know, why not just stop there? Just stop on that corner. I'm going to bring someone your way. You know, someone once described the, the, the Spirit speaking um, to me, and I found this helpful. Um, and this is what I mean about the following the promptings of Jesus when the Holy Spirit speaks to us on a daily basis. Someone once described um, some of the promptings of the Holy Spirit almost like feathers that kind of like drop on your shoulder. I don't know if you've ever had a feather drop on your shoulder. I mean, it doesn't happen to me every day, of course. But it's almost like, imagine in your own head, okay, that almost like we just brush them off. They're so light. They're so insignificant. We just kind of brush them off. But the Lord is speaking all the time. And the question is, are we listening? And secondly, are we willing to be obedient? Because when we're obedient to Jesus, guess what? Miracles start to happen. We see more of the signs and the wonders of the kingdom of God as Jesus intended them to be in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, in our universities, on campus, on the streets, when we follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Fishing is about being obedient. Whose life are you following? Who are you listening to? Whose instructions are you listening to? You know, Jesus um, speaking about the work of the Spirit and being connected to him in John 15, in, um, in his, some of his final words, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, who stick to me, who follow me and listen to my voice will produce much fruit. And then he goes on to say, from apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There is no fishing. Don't even bother throwing your nets out if you're not doing it with me if you're not listening to where I'm telling you to cast your nets. The kingdom mission of the church, of Christians, that's for anyone here, is obedience to Jesus Christ. 
in fishing, in seeking out the fish, getting up early in the night if that's what it is, following the promptings of Jesus, maybe praying through the night for someone because the Lord has prompted you, he's brought someone to mind. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When we follow Jesus' lead, fishing, being obedient, there's a huge catch. There's a huge haul. And what we see in both miracle in John 21 and then back in Luke 5 when Jesus called his disciples was a miraculous catch of fish. It was huge. It's massive. They, the nets didn't tore, tear, but they hauled them in onto land. The haul of fish, it felt overwhelming. I don't know, do you feel overwhelmed by the number of people that are coming to faith in Jesus? I have the privilege in, in this church of being a part of Alpha and, and you know, sharing faith and telling people about, about Jesus. And um, um, usually me or someone like me does the talk on the cross. And I, and I know that every night on Alpha, when we, when we proclaim the cross, people will become Christians. Because it's the power of God unto salvation. That's what the gospel is. It's the power of God. So whenever we proclaim the gospel, there are, there are people that, that are ripe and ready to say yes to Jesus. But I want to see an overwhelming number of people come to faith on this next Alpha and the next Alpha and the next Alpha. And I want to see you leading your friends and your neighbours and your aunties and your uncles and your grannies to faith in Jesus. I want this church, I want followers of Jesus to be seeing a huge catch, a huge haul of fish. And it's really important that we know that no one is excluded. One of the things that we find about the disciples is that the disciples... um, they were thinking so narrow when they were thinking about the mission of Jesus. When the disciples were thinking about the mission of Jesus and the kingdom of God, they were thinking about a smaller group of people. They were actually only thinking about one nation. They were only actually thinking of themselves. Let's read these words from Acts chapter one. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God, God's rule and God's reign on earth. And once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he's promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling the people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, here's the thing. When the disciples were thinking about the restoration of Israel, they thought that equated to the kingdom of God. The disciples were thinking Israel. Jesus was thinking to the ends of the earth. And Jesus reiterates that in this miraculous parable story of this miraculous catch of fish. I don't know if you've ever wondered, why did John say in his account of this miraculous catch of fish that they caught 153? Have you ever asked the question, why did, why did John, I mean, does it really matter that they caught 100? I mean, 
Great, brilliant. I, can only, I could probably only catch one with my spinning hook, but they caught 100. Well done, disciples, 153. The reason John lets us know that it was 153 is because John wants to make a point. In the known ancient world, there were 153 species of fish. John wants us to know that the catch of Jesus is for all species, all races, all groups, all neighbors, your neighbor, my neighbor. God does not want anyone to be lost. And it's a huge vision. Jesus' vision is massive. Jesus wants Cheltenham, absolutely. He wants Gloucester, he wants the UK, he wants the world. And his church is the vehicle that he uses, empowered by the Spirit. Obedient following leads to fruitful fishing. Finally, there's an invitation in this story. There's an invitation to be intimate. There's an invitation to come to Jesus. There's an invitation to fellowship with Jesus. Eating in the first century wasn't about social pleasure. It was about friendship. It was about communion. It was about deep, rich relationship. And Jesus invites us with his arms stretched out on the cross and his arms on the shore saying, come, eat. Come and eat with me. Breakfast, fellowship with me. Have intimacy, have friendship with God. There's an invitation of the resurrected Jesus. And there's an invitation tonight for anyone who has not said yes to Jesus, to have fellowship with Jesus, to follow him, to be a part of walking obediently with him and fishing for people with him. You know, there are loads of people, as I finish, there are loads of people who go through life not really knowing what their purpose is. Jesus gives us purpose. Jesus gives us meaning. And Jesus gives us a mission. If you're here tonight and you are a follower of Jesus, I wonder if Jesus might say to us tonight, how's the fishing going? How's the fishing going? Because we're all called to fish for people. And if you're someone here tonight, I think Jesus is inviting you to fellowship with him, to have relationship with him, to know him personally, to encounter him by the Holy Spirit and to walk with him and allow him to lead you into great things in your life. Why don't we stand? If you're new and you're visiting, we always give space at the end to respond because we believe that if there's revelation from God, there ought to be a response. Sometimes the response is in the quiet of our heart and um, where we're stood. Sometimes the response to Jesus is to step out of our seats and to respond to him in a particular way. But just as we're standing, and um, I want to just invite us um, just in this moment to close our eyes. I don't know if we can bring the house lights up a little bit because um, it would be helpful for me to see. But 
I want to invite us all just to be still, to close our eyes. And um, I want to just give an opportunity for anyone this evening. Maybe you've walked in the door. Maybe you've come with a friend. Maybe you've been time after time to this church or other churches. And you know that you have not said yes to Jesus in your heart. Then I want to give some time and some space for you to do that. That the 1st of April... 2018 is the day that you said yes to Jesus. And let me tell you, you will be no fool saying yes to Jesus. You'll be one of the wisest people on the face of the planet. So just as we've got our eyes closed, if you could ask everyone to do that. I'm going to just say a simple prayer which is a prayer that says yes to Jesus. And if you know that you need to say yes to Jesus, I'd encourage you as I say this prayer line by line, just say it quietly after I've said it in the quiet of your own heart. And then at the end, as we've all got our heads bowed, I'm just gonna invite you just to put your hand up so that I know, it's just for me, so that I can give you a little booklet at the end and I'd like to invite you to come down and just so I can give you the booklet, which is um, a little bit of an introduction about what it means to follow Jesus. So let's pray. And if you know tonight is your night, 1st of April 2018, to say yes to Jesus, why don't you say this prayer in your heart? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me on the cross. I thank you that you died so that I can have new life with you. Please forgive me for living my life my way. Come into my life and fill me with your presence. And help me to live my life from this day, obediently following you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, perhaps either for the first time, it might even be for the second or third time, but you know you needed to say that prayer. Just as we've got our eyes closed, if you could just keep your eyes closed, that'd be great. Why don't you just raise your hand just so that I see. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's wonderful, thank you. I think I saw four people, which is just the best news ever. It's Resurrection Sunday. I wonder how the rest of us might respond to Jesus if you prayed that prayer and you put your hand up I want to invite you to come to the front in a moment so that we can pray for you to be filled with God's Holy Spirit that's what it means to be to walk in the presence of Jesus to have it to invite his presence into your life it's the Holy Spirit who does that 
And in a moment, minute, I want to invite you to the front. But I want to ask you, is the Holy Spirit prompting you to be fishing? Maybe you're already doing it and that's great where you are, but is the Holy Spirit prompting you? You know that you've not been fishing. It's almost like the net that's in the cupboard. And you know that the Lord is prompting you to seek people out, to follow him obediently. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak now. Stir that call of Jesus into our hearts. Holy Spirit, give us the heart of Jesus. Give us the compassion that compelled Jesus to come for us. Holy Spirit, give us the love of Jesus that compels us to go, to follow Jesus wherever he leads. Holy Spirit, come. So here's what I, I want to suggest. Um, if you prayed that prayer, um, can I invite you to come to the front now? Just come on this, this sort of side of the, of the stage and I'd love to come and pray with you with a couple of people. Um, um, but if you know that Jesus is, is stirring you up for this fishing for people, for evangelism, for sharing faith with people, and you feel ill-equipped or you feel unqualified, you're not even sure where to start, but you know in your heart you want, to, you want to engage and to join in with what Jesus is doing, then can I invite you to come to the front now so that we can pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Remember, it was, a, it was an encounter with Jesus and it was knowing him, it was being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if that's you, just come now. Just come. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Just come right to the front. That'd be great. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You know, it's just the best being obedient to Jesus. If the Lord is prompting you even now, after I've invited people to come out now, um, can I encourage you to be to be obedient to that prompting of Jesus if that's you. Just come. Just come. I sense there's more, so just come. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm just going to invite some of the, the team here just to come and stand alongside and to pray for you.